Greetings out of the ultimate source, perfection, and manifestation of love, the very source of reality. Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, fully God manifest to this creation, to this world. This message is for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, to come to know ultimate meaning and destiny in their lives, which is only through coming to know the one true eternal God. Yes, he's in three personages, because you must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence, and that means you have to be in personage in those three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation, as the Father, in creation, as the Son, the word Son means expression, as the full expression of the Father, and filling all creation in omnipresence, all dimensions of time, and creation as the Holy Spirit, the one true eternal God. For those of you that are new, you can check out my very original flip book with writing there that has a lot of print that is highlighted in red, which go to amazing YouTube videos that are very profound and amazing, highly confirming the reality of what I am sharing about from many fields of science and archaeology. This message is for those that have come to know the one true God, for whom to know is life eternal. It is a message in this hour of crisis that I seek to give prophetically, because the word of God commands us in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. <coughs> we are all when we are to gather together in worship of Jesus Christ to seek to speak as the oracles of God. We are commanded to. There shouldn't be meetings in church services where there isn't a lot of activity and facilitation for every member to share. It doesn't mean that every single member is going to share in the meeting, unless it's a very small meeting with few people. But let's say you have a congregation of 200 people. There should be about 10 or 20 people that share in every meeting, spontaneously, without asking to use the mic or anything, just as they sense the Spirit moving and rising up within them, let them speak forth. This is what happened in the beginning, and it should be all the more so in these last days. And so, one of the chapters, verses that really explains 1 Peter 4.11 further, which says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, is Revelations 19.10, where we read, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth out of great reverence and humility and love for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that then results in creative utterances that rise up out of us, whether it's in the form of a song that is spontaneous where we don't even know what words we're going to sing, or if it's in the form of a word of encouragement or a testimony or a prayer or a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, whatever gifting it is, 
we are to seek to speak as the oracles of God, to speak prophetically, and that comes out of a heart set and mindset of worship. So I will seek to give this message to facilitate speaking prophetically the word of God. And one of the things I do to facilitate that is I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. I cast lots before the Lord. As it says in Proverbs 16:33, the casting of the lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And so I use two random applications to get the possibility of any two chapters from the Bible. And I meditate on them for a half an hour as I've done today. And then, in this case, I had a nap, but then I meditated some more after for totally no more than a half an hour. And now I'm going to preach. Not knowing what I'm going to say, but knowing that God in his providence and power, when we do this with reverence and awe before him in the casting of the lot, if we are so led to do it, will use it. And he does in my case. And at first, many times, I don't see the theme at all. But as I continue to meditate, then God reveals it. And such is the case today. But before we go into the message with these two chapters that I received for this crucial hour to the body of Christ around the world, a time of great trial, of great testing for the whole world, and especially for the body of Christ. We need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Blessed is that servant whom, when his Lord cometh, shall find so doing what? giving them their meat in due season. If we are hearing from God, we will speak the proper words to his people at the right time. Blessed is that servant whom when his Lord cometh, he shall find so doing. And yet it is greatly lacking in the body of Christ today. Here is the song which is also picked by the casting of Lot from a hymn book of 1,080 hymns from throughout church history and from their underground church in China and also from another 170 worship songs from various churches that I've come to. So today we got one from the hymn book, which I see is very appropriate. And so we will now, first of all, have this song, which is always put on my playlist, by the way, and we'll always have the words on the video background. I only choose songs that are very deep with meaning and beautiful capacity for worship. And so such is the one today, which is now on the playlist on my website at loverealize.com. Remember, the other site I have is ultimatemeaning.com where you can look at my flip book. But it's loverealize.com where I give these messages on podcasts. And so here is the hymn, which will now be on the worship playlist there on where you can play a lot of wonderful worship songs. Okay, here we go. Let's be. 
wonderful, wonderful song. Our identity is in Christ and it's with the family of God. Those that are called out of this world system and the passages that I received today from the word of God will bear that out. <coughs> All of this being brought forth by the casting of Lot before God. You'll have to excuse the fact that I have a cough that is gradually receding over time, but uh, there is that little bit of a problem right now. I received today by the casting of Lot on December the 6th of 2022, Matthew 4 and Revelations 12. Now, before I mention about this, I do want to add that I do have a book on Amazon that is free. This is the last day it's going to be free. Today is December the 6th. And it's free in Kindle format. That is in an electronic format that you can download to have on your phone with a Kindle app, which are free, of course. Or onto your computer with a Kindle app that you can get for free. And you can get it for free. Today is the last day it is free. It's in print format, 367 pages long. It's all on the evidence of life after death and the many <coughs> examples of people from many backgrounds, what they have experienced when they have died. It answers a lot of hard questions and points people to the fact that it is only through Christ that people are saved, that they come to know God. Eventually, there is the decision to receive or reject Christ. Okay, I want to get into this message today. Matthew 4 and Revelations 12. Both of these chapters, one is about the temptation of Christ and the other is about the woman in the wilderness. Christ was in the wilderness and so was this remnant of God's people in the last days will find themselves also in the wilderness. So in both of these chapters, we have the scene of the wilderness with temptation. Just going to adjust something here for a moment so I can see things properly. And there's also the accuser of the brethren that is accusing in both of these chapters. Christ is being accused in Matthew chapter 4 and in Revelations chapter 12. We have the accuser of the brethren that is cast down. The enemy seeks to destroy our identity, and that is what he was seeking to do even to Christ in the temptation. He kept on repeating the words, if you are really the Son of God, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? We know the story, most of us that are familiar with the scriptures. And so the enemy seeks to destroy our identity so that we will be carried away with the temporal concerns of this life instead of exercising the authority over his evil demise. And so I want to begin to read, first of all, some of the scriptures from Matthew chapter 4. And when the tempter came to Christ, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then he goes on. 
We skip down to verse 7. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Matthew 4, 8-11, And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And after there is that time where Christ fasts and prays for 40 days without food, or probably without drink as well, after that time, great temptation and testing, he comes on the scene. First of all, he calls his disciples that are fishing, but already as he's calling his disciples, people are knowing that he's doing these amazing miracles because he's returning in the power of the Spirit. He was driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness through great temptation. And out of that time of great trial in the wilderness, he comes forth in the power of the Spirit of God, doing many signs and wonders and miracles. And so his disciples probably already knew about him. And he comes along and they're fishing and he says, follow me. And they immediately leave what they are doing and decide that it's more important for them to follow the him than to be worried about making a living. And we go on in this passage and we read, And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And it goes on in this passage after this time of great temptation, and it says this, The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region of the shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes on and he calls the disciples. Right after preaching that message, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And he calls them. And so many people are healed and he has multitudes of people following him as is described in Matthew 23 to 24. Maybe I'll read that too. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went through it all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. <coughs> so he's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's driven to a place of seeking God with fasting and prayer without food or drink for 40 days. Possibly drink, I don't know. 
Brother Yun, that was tortured for his faith in China in the communist prison camps, fasted for 74 days without food and without any liquid, which is impossible to do in the natural, and was terribly tortured while that was going on. But God then brought him out of prison supernaturally, and that you can look up on YouTube videos on the internet. Brother Yun, the heavenly man, true story. He's escaped here to Europe and to the West miraculously. I've read his book. He's even seen high people in high positions in the government of the U.S. Now, I want to share with you the other passage that goes with this passage, which is Revelations chapter 12. So I'm going to just go to my digital Bible here and go to that chapter and begin to read it because it really lines up with Matthew chapter 4 that I received by the casting of Lot with this chapter today <clears throat> from the other application. So in Revelations 12 we read, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. This is definitely speaking of Jesus Christ, whom Herod sought to destroy. Herod was represented as the dragon in this scene. But it also speaks of the remnant church that will come forth in the last days, which the enemy will seek to destroy and to devour before it is fully birthed out of the general church system around the world that is lukewarm and apostate. God always has a remnant, and he's bringing forth a remnant of his people in this hour. And that is the remnant that will be translated. They are the twelve. What is it? There's the ten wise and the ten foolish virgins. The wise had the extra oil. They were the ones that went the extra mile, like Rebecca, that... When Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, was seeking a bride for Isaac, he said, let it be the one that doesn't just give water to my camels, but actually goes for, doesn't just give water to me, but actually gives water to the camels as well. And she did. She went the extra mile, the extra oil. The ones that are totally in love with Christ are not just seeking God. They are abandoned in their heart, love, relationship with God so that it isn't some obligation. It is their delight to pour out their lives. They are consumed with zeal in their love for God and his glory to come upon the earth. King David said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we that are the 
Servants of Christ in these last days need to be those that have such a vision burning in our hearts to see the glory of God come upon the earth in the midst of a time of such darkness. This is why it says in Isaiah 60, gross darkness shall cover the earth. And the peoples of the earth, which is exactly what has happened as never before in history. We are under the threat of tyranny in every, almost, well, pretty well every nation in the world is under the threat of tyranny by COVID mandates, etc., etc. I don't want to be distracted by getting into the details of all that's going on, but some of the top statisticians that are experts in statistics have taken all the government statistics from around the world now. You can get them at a particular substack. It doesn't come to my mind right now. But they now know that 20 million people have been killed by the vaccine around the world that have taken two or more shots. And they are estimating it's going to go up to 700 million by 2028 at the present rate. That is from hard data and facts. We are living in a time that is serious. Very serious. <coughs> Gross darkness is covering the earth. And what does God say in Isaiah 60? Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has come upon you. But here in this passage in Revelations 12, we see the enemy is also cast down, the accuser of the brethren. The one that's been accusing them before our God day and night. The woman is though also moved under persecution. She has to flee into the wilderness. The woman that brought forth a man child is being forced to flee into a wilderness situation. And the general church, general Christianity, is being blamed because many of them refuse to take these shots, which the evidence is very clear now. Even God DeSantis, the governor, uh, the I should say the Surgeon General of Florida, coming out and the governor of Florida, uh, DeSantis coming out and clarifying that the CDC is corrupt. All of these organizations are totally corrupt. They're forcing vaccinations on people that are deadly and killing many people. It's been totally subverted. Go to whoop. Stop One World Control if you want to see all of the information on the power structure that comes all the way down from Klaus Schwab, whose dad was buddy buddies with Hitler, by the way, and whom... Macron and Trudeau and others are disciples of and many billionaires. And Klaus Schwab says plainly in his book, and they've talked plainly about it in video many times too, oh, we need to reduce the world's population from 7 billion down to 500 million, really. And they're the ones that have all the power and the bribe money and everything else, along with the Chinese Communist Party, which has been infiltrating every strat of society in the United States and many countries of the world for the last 30 years so that the news media is all lying to you, totally corrupt. Medical system has been corrupted. And not to say that there's not a lot of good people that are taking a stand. There is. Many of them are losing their jobs. 
But here's the situation we're in. So, the, so the, the woman flees, is being forced into a wilderness situation around the world. And it may be also at the same time that there comes a point where the nation of Israel is forced into a wilderness situation where she must, as it were, flee. The remnant is fleeing, but God has prepared a place of refuge. And he always prepares a place of refuge for those that are his and that trust him in the time of trial. But when we flee into the wilderness is when Satan tempts us as he tempted Jesus Christ. He seeks to destroy our identity and our authority by forcing us into a place where we can't meet our needs. So he says to Christ, if you're the son of God, why don't you just command the stone to become bread? Christ says, don't you tempt the Lord God. Could have he made it? Yes, he could have easily done it. But why should he be manipulated by Satan and do something for Satan that Satan wants him to do? No, he's led by the Spirit of God to do what he is to do. The serpent in Revelations here, when the woman flees into a place of refuge and forms community and God supernaturally begins to provide for them, at the same time as all of this is going on, there's the accuser of the brethren accusing them before their God day and night, but they're not buying into his accusations. They're resisting the accusations. God is calling us as his people to resist the attacks of Satan that come on us when we find ourselves in situations where it's easy to, with our own understanding, think it very strange concerning the fiery trial which is trying us. And to think, well, it almost is like, I thought God was supposed to bless us when we obeyed him. And here I am. No, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That is also true. If you're living a godly life, there's persecution. There's spiritual warfare. And the enemy's going to try to accuse you when you find yourselves in difficult situations where maybe because you don't want to take something the government is forcing upon you against the Charter of Rights or against the Constitution, against your own conscience before God, where you need to learn to not trust in your own sufficiency and say, I can turn that stone into bread. I know I'm very resourceful. Maybe God wants you to hear what he's saying first before you panic and run off and try in your own ways to find sufficiency in this time of testing and trial that is upon the earth. The dragon in this chapter here in Revelations chapter 12. It says, and the dragon cast out. Okay, the, I meant to say about the um, water coming out of his mouth. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth a man-child. 
And it goes on to say in verse 15, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood <coughs> after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. What is this flood? The flood is seeking to carry the women away with its current, with its influence. The influence that is coming out of the mouth of the serpent is a poisonous influence. It's certainly a poisonous influence with these vaccines. <coughs> well, if you don't go along with the popular thing to do to get the vaccine, well, then you couldn't really be a very good Christian. You're not submitting to the authority, you know. Oh, really? That's not what the Word of God teaches. When those that are in authority in our land, such as in Canada and the United States, are lawless and disobeying the Constitution. The Constitution is above them. And the, and the uh, Charter of Rights is above them. And our conscience with God is above them. And so, as Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And of course, with all of that comes the accusation of the enemy to carry us away and to destroy our identity so that we do not know that we have authority in those situations and that we can totally rest in those situations and trust God. All the enemy uses is fear to get us to panic so that we'll try in our own resourcefulness and our own strength to save ourselves instead of turning to God and trusting in him. But God is teaching us to walk and to rise up in his authority through these times of wilderness pressure. <clears throat> at the same time there's a spiritual war in heaven and the enemy that's been accusing them throughout church history and throughout the history of the earth is now coming to a point where he can no longer stay in heaven because he can find no ground because every testimony on the earth is standing and has stood through many different varieties of trials against his accusation and has overcome and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. The secret for overcoming is to trust in the mercy of God who poured out his love in his blood on the cross that he can forgive us when in the trial something negative comes out of us and we get upset and we fail and become anxious or angry. We repent immediately and we ask God to forgive us. We don't let Satan condemn us when the dross comes to the surface because the gold is being purified. And let the enemy say, you're that dross. You're that dross so that we believe we're the dross and are carried away in unbelief to become bitter and rebellious against God and to end up on the side of the enemy. God is calling us as his people to be those that when we go through trials, do not fall prey to the temptation that we are what is manifested in us that is not of God. For those things are not our real self. Our identity is in Christ. We are 
dead and our life is hid with Christ and God. Our identity is with Christ. He has forgiven us and we are a new creation and we are to identify with our new creation and to rise up and come into authority in that new creation through the trial. If our own heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things, it says in 1 John. And in the context, it's about love. Perfect love that casts out fear. It's the genuine fear of God that causes us to reciprocate the love of God. Which is a love that works Faith which worketh by love. When we perceive that God loves us in this trial, that he has our best interests in mind, that he's able to bring us through what seems an impossibility, whether it's financial or whatever situation it is, we still trust him unconditionally. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And Christ trusted the Father on the cross. Even when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He did not have unbelief. He had total relinquishment of his spirit and his soul and trust unto the Father. He is God and never ceased to be God on the cross. Although he experienced the judgment and forsaking of God's presence, he was totally in a selfless state of trust and total oneness with the Father the whole time. And even when we have pressures so great that it makes us say, my God, my God, why? Why would you allow this to happen in my life? <clears throat> it's only a release of burden, but does not change our trust. We continue to rest in God and to come to a place where our mind is at peace and settled in the trial. And we are fully broken in. And God comes through with miraculous provision and deliverance. And that is what he will do. And so when the body of Christ has a flood being cast towards them to carry them away with the things of this world and to take their identity away from their relationship with God, God is saying to his people, it is time to learn to have such a love relationship with me out of the genuine fear of God that you will reciprocate my love. When you really see that I love you in the midst of a trial, that I still love you and have your best interest in mind, when you see how creative I am, that I can take the greatest contradictions in your life and make something beautiful out of it, that is far more beautiful than if you didn't go through that, you will be entering in to the secret of victory. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear them, him, and he will show them his covenant, which means that they have come into a union of love with him. Because you cannot have genuine covenant unless you have genuine attraction and union first. That's why in Zechariah, there's the two sticks. The first one is beauty that is broken before the second stick, which is covenant, is broken which also means in the last days there will be the restoration. First of all, of beauty. 
And so I want to describe some of this beauty now that God wants to impart to you as the people of God. This is a message to the body of Christ for this hour, brothers and sisters, that is coming prophetically. I want you to hear what the Spirit is saying now from another passage of Scripture in Hosea, which is related to what we are talking about here. Starting in Hosea 14 to 23, we read this. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her vineyards from thence and the valley of Hacker for a door of hope. The word Hacker means trouble. In the valley of trouble, I will corner you so that you find your door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Oh, God. And it shall be at that day, saith Yahweh, that thou shalt call me Ishai, husband, and shall call me no more Balai, Lord. Now she has a love relationship with God. For I will take away the names of of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day will I make a covenant with them, with the beasts of the field, and with the fowls of heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword, the battle out of the earth, and will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever, Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know Yahweh. And I shall, and it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth, and the earth shall hear the corn and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. What does Jezreel mean? It means it shall be sown of God. They will be sown of God. They will be born again, brought forth of God. And I will sow on her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. You see the beautiful plan that God has. We don't understand why he would put us through such terrible suffering in the wilderness. In our own personal lives, we go through times of barrenness of wilderness. And what is God wanting to teach us? To have a strong identity in him through these trials. To learn to trust him and not panic in these trials. And then he will do the miraculous to deliver us. He will corner us out of our own religious ways of self-righteousness into the ways of Yahweh. In these last days, he's calling forth a remnant around the earth to come into Christian community. Where the fullness of the glory of God can dwell in our midst in preparation for the soon return of Jesus Christ. And I could talk for a lot longer. It says 
when Christ returns and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives, it will split in half. He will be there with ten thousands and thousands of saints. There will be a mighty earthquake around the world. All the cities of the nations will fall. The air will begin to be filled with the glory of God, and those that are wicked will breathe the air and be burned up by it. That's described in Isaiah 33. And the other description of them praising God and the fires as there is this earthquake is in Isaiah 24. And there are other verses there as well. So we find ourselves in Christian community being forced out of the world system, as it says in Revelations 18, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. And he's saying that to you right now, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Come out of her, out of the worldliness. You haven't repented of your worldliness. You want to see revival in the United States? You want to see your nation saved? And in Canada, you need to wake up. In each of your cities and communities, churches need to come together and fast and pray for three days. If you can do an Esther fast because you're in good health, do it in that three-day period and cry mightily to God as never before. Repent of worshiping the gods of amusement. You spent hours watching sports instead of seeking God. Repent of the gods of materialism and of pleasure of idleness. We're to redeem the time because the days are evil. I've written a book called God, Headship, and Body Invasion. It's all in what should be in a local assembly not to, so that you do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. It's about time people woke up. We cannot go back to being the church the way it was. This is a time of great crisis upon whom the ends, of the ends of the ages have come. It has come upon us to be those that bring in the harvest, that are the conquering bride church of the last days, that conquers our nation with the love of God, with the good news of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you don't reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. It doesn't mean that you cease to be salt. It doesn't mean that you don't take a stand against the election that was stolen in your in the United States. But it means that your focus is not to get bitter, but to trust God to bring deliverance and to turn to him by becoming his house of prayer and holiness. You can't have the same order in the church as you've had that limits the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. He's calling the church to repent and become his loving bride. And in the wilderness, he's going to lure you into a place of such a love that you'll never again walk in the ways of mere religiosity, but in the ways of God's glory. His loving kindness that's better than life. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.